Praise God. Yeah. Well, if you've got your Bibles with you and you want to open up to um, the book of Revelation, I'm always listening to what the Lord may be saying in the midst of the congregation, whether that's through songs that are chosen or through prophecies or exhortations that are given. Uh, I'm just constantly wanting to make sure that I'm in tune with what the Spirit of God is doing. You know, God is alive. He's present. And He wants to communicate with us. And He's chosen to do that, according to the Bible, uh, by His Spirit, through His Word, but by His Spirit. So the Scripture says that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And then it lists various types of manifestations through which God shows Himself. And so I'm always listening, and I was encouraged today as we were worshiping, and as uh, Jennifer, who was leading worship, just was talking about the light of God and the candle of God, and how we are, in essence, uh, recipients of that light, but also distributors of that light. It's real simple, but uh, it's very true, because when she started saying that to me, it was uh, some confirmation to what God has given me for this morning. So, praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> let me just kind of get where I need to be here. So, if you've been around, you know we've been talking about the call of God up to where He is. Uh, we've been looking primarily at Revelations chapter 4 where John, who's on the Isle of Patmos, which was uh, a place of imprisonment for him where he couldn't leave the island and such. And at a very difficult time in his life, he has an open vision. God calls him up, right? And He calls him up to show him things that are going to come. He's showing him the future. And uh, the first thing that he shows him is the throne of God. And so what we've said is this, is that that same invitation is extended to us. God is calling us up out of all of our trouble. You know, John was in trouble on the Isle of Patmos. And if we're not careful, we can just spend our lives in our trouble looking around and complaining about all the negative stuff. Like Jennifer said, she was focusing on the darkness and not on the light. But God's calling a people up out of all their stuff to a higher place, a vantage point, where we can see from his perspective. So he calls John up, and he says, I want you to come up here, and I want to show you things that are to come, and the first thing he shows him is the throne. And when this is, I, I repeat it, but it needs repeating. You want to know what the future holds. I'm going to show you things to come. The future holds the throne of God. God seated on his throne. That is the future of all things. God is not about to give the throne up. He's there forever. <laughs> He's in charge. That should be comforting to us when the world is coming unglued. God is above it all, and he has the final say. And so from that place, John is, uh, you know, because ultimately the book of Revelation has a lot of troubling things that uh, are declared about what's going to happen in the world at the end of the age. But before we talk about any of that, John needed to be anchored in the idea that God was on his throne. So we've been spending time talking about a being a people who are positioned around the throne of God. You say, well, that's kind of hard, isn't it? He's up there and we're here. Well, 
Actually, Jesus said, pray this way, let it be on earth like it is in heaven. And so I believe without any shadow of a doubt that we can be a people, though physically on the earth, that are a heavenly people. We can actually walk in the presence of God and live our lives in the presence of God. It's a possibility or Jesus wouldn't have said to pray that way. So <clears throat> a lot of things have been said thus far, but we've been talking about the impact of the throne. If we're a people who choose to, you know, around the throne, come on, help me, there was 24 small thrones and there was a bunch of elders seated on those thrones and we've said that those are a clear picture of the priesthood of believers. 24 courses in the priesthood, they have crowns, we're a royal priesthood according to Peter and so on. And uh, it's a picture of a people who've chosen to put God at the center they're not seeing everything. That's why there's 24. That means everybody has a piece that we're seeing. So they acknowledge the fact that I don't know everything, you don't know everything, but together we can see what we need to see. If we're in relationship with each other and we can communicate with each other properly, we'll have the benefit of what each other gets to see about God. So we're not a lone ranger, you know. I was talking this morning about the, the difference between being a non-denominational church and an interdenominational church. Non-denominational church kind of takes the posture that we're anti-denominations, like we're against that. Whereas interdenominational, in my view anyways, is the idea that we celebrate the diversity that's out there. We might not agree with all the nuances of things, but the reality is you look at most of the denominational structures and they are the product of a move of the Spirit of God throughout history and they're carrying something very important. So rather than getting into this posture like we see it the only way it can be seen, we try to be in a, a different posture, I believe a better posture that says we need one another. We see something and we need to be true to what we see and we need to be able to communicate well what we see but we also need to be able to receive what other people are seeing. So there's a spirit through which we do ministry. So to me, the presence of God and the throne of God is a picture of that. And that is a culture that we can foster among ourselves. You know, we are going to have a certain atmosphere around our lives, a certain spirit, if you will, that we operate in. We can be a people that are arrogant or we can be a people that are sweet and humble and, and nice to be around, you know? We can be a people that know it all or a people that are, are very uh, teachable and have a good attitude about things. We can be all kinds of things. And I'm just saying together, we're setting our eyes on the throne of God. He's at the center, not us. And we're there, like those that John saw, to worship and to receive our instructions from the presence of God. So there's a lot of things around the throne. Today, I want to talk specifically about a certain element. I just have to qualify a few things, so just thanks for bearing with me. When you read things like the book of Revelation and all of its imagery and a lot of the symbolism that's there, a lot of people back away from it because it can be hard to figure out. People spin it with all kinds of interpretations for their own agendas. There's a lot of stuff that so people say, you know what, I'm going to just stick to some stuff that's a little clearer. But here's where I land with that, because I agree, actually, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of weird stuff out there, okay? But where I land with it is here, that God chose to include it in the book. 
And if God chose to include it, then there must be something I need and you need from it being there. It's kind of a simple approach, but that's how I see it. And the admonition in the beginning of the book is, blessed is he who reads. Blessed. So there's a blessing attached to this book. So when we're talking about the throne of God and these various uh, images, if you will, around the throne that John saw, um, those things that John saw, I believe, are there to help us also be impacted by something. God wants to impact us. He wants to mark us with something. And we said that our lives are constantly being marked by things that happen to us, things we're looking at, things we're submitting ourselves to. We're constantly being imprinted by that stuff. And God's saying, I'm looking for a people who will come up here, let me mark them, let me imprint them, so that everything they do will be a reflection of having been with me. Not a reflection of having, you know, been with some other uh, trust that we have. So, the throne of God and the things around the throne. I want to just zero in specifically today on uh, one element that John saw. Revelations 4, verse 5. If you're just getting here and you've not been in any of these teachings, they are online. You're welcome to go out there. We've been looking at various facets along the way. But today... Revelation 4 and 5 and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices and then here it is and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God seven lamps which are the seven spirits of God Father thank you this morning for the the great gift of your word. I thank you that this word is alive and powerful and that you, Holy Spirit, today can give us understanding. We thank you for that and we receive it in Jesus' name. A lamp there by the throne and this lamp stand is symbolic of the seven spirits of God. Now, some people would go and try to say that there are seven different spirits of God, but that's really not what the Bible teaches about God. God is one. God is a spirit, and so on. So, <clears throat> what's a better interpretation here, and I'm going to show you from the scripture, and then you're going to hopefully see why it even matters. <laughs> you know, why do I care that around the throne of God is this lampstand, you know, burning with seven branches and whatever, and it's symbolic of the seven spirits of God, as it says here, but really because the influence we see, what this really is a picture of, and if we'll expose our lives to what it's a picture of, we can have the same benefit John had as he saw it. So to me, this is a, a picture not of the seven spirits, like God has seven separate spirits, but the seven faceted spirit of God. That God's spirit has seven primary facets to it. And that's important for us to understand. If you want to see the picture of that specifically, you would go to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah 11 uh, is, a, is a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah uh, talking about the Messiah, Jesus, when he would come and the, what his ministry would look like and how it would be empowered. 
okay? Isaiah 11.1, 1, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. That's speaking about Jesus. And it says this, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now notice this, it highlights seven attributes of the spirit of God upon his life. The first attribute is the spirit of the Lord or the spirit of the sovereign God. The spirit of lordship, God's lordship would be upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. There you have seven attributes, the sevenfold or seven faceted spirit of God would be upon Jesus like a candlestick. Hear this, Jesus would be a fully lit candlestick fully lit right now it's the intention of God because you know Jesus himself when he was speaking to his disciples he first at one point says to them speaking of himself he says I am the light of the world that's who he said but later on he points back to them he says you are the light of the world that's what he said so who I am is who I want you to be in the world everything that I represent is what I want you to represent where I get my source from, I want you to get your source from. The way I do things is the way I want you to do things, okay? That's always the repeating theme in Jesus' ministry. Peter, I'm walking on water, and you can walk on water. You see, it's always him modeling for us our ministry and our calling as believers and as really God's creation, what God had in mind from the beginning. So here we've got Jesus fully lit. How wonderful it would be to have a church fully lit. Come on, the spirit of the Lord resting upon a people. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and the spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. A church burning bright. The light of the world. The light in the darkness. You know... It is dark and getting darker. And for some, as Christians, we're trying to find out how to survive when God's interested in us learning how to thrive. To be light. Actually, our finest ministry is in the dark. Light's kind of insignificant in light. <laughs> Light in the dark, is, it matters. It's, it's pungent, it's powerful, it's effective, it's a contrast. It offers real hope. And so instead of pulling back from the darkness, it's actually our finest hour if we'll let God make his mark. If you go on to read Isaiah there, you know, it talks about him not judging by what he sees or deciding disputes by what he hears. But with righteousness he'll judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek, the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And it goes on to talk about the messianic kingdom where the wolf will lie down with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and a little child is going to lead them and all that wonderful stuff about the millennial reign and so on. But here's the point to me. All the fruit of his ministry, his ability to make... You know, I love when I read about Jesus and he's caught in these really difficult situations he comes up with these amazing answers. You know, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. I mean, just like, chum, 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 just cut, cut, cut. He's just, and where's it coming from? 
Well, the spirit of the Lord is resting upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. You see, the picture of this lampstand, which is the sevenfold spirit of God, is there at the throne because one of the fruits of a people who hang out around the throne, who have God at the center, and make it really about God and not about themselves. The fruit of that people, it, God wants us to know, is that we will have the influence of that spirit on and through our lives. You want that kind of influence? You've got to be there where God's pouring it out, where God's giving it. And that's one of the, the baits, the invitations to come. You lack wisdom. You need some understanding. You're looking for some counsel. You know, you need some power, some might in your life. Guess where you can get it? At God's throne, with God, in his presence. So, <clears throat> the whole millennial reign, you know, the whole future is all coming out of this ministry of the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus really did, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Zechariah chapter 4, and let me say it. Everything we're ever going to do of any eternal consequence will be by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is such a temptation to revert to our own, you know, carnal abilities, our natural abilities to try to get things done. But in this hour, none of that stuff's going to hold up. The one thing that's going to matter is the people who've learned how to get their stuff from God and then let God, through them, make things happen by the Spirit. Zechariah 4 at a time when God had commanded them to rebuild the temple, you know it, many of you, they had met up with a lot of opposition and resistance. And uh, Zechariah, who God is using to encourage the people of Israel at the time, uh, God, he has this visitation, Zechariah 4 and 1, and the angel who talked with me came again and woke me up like a man who was awakened out of his sleep, and he said, what do you see? And I said, I see and, I see, and behold a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it and there are two olive trees by it one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left and I said to the angel who talked with me what are these my lord then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me do you not know what these are I said no my lord then said he then he said to me this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He was the guy that was going to be building this temple. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Let me just uh, translate here a little bit. Not by human might, not by human power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Okay, uh, the Lord of hosts. And then it goes on to declare, Who are you, O great mountain? Some translations say, Who are you, O great mountain of human impossibility? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. So in interesting, isn't it? The context of this great victory over obstacles, this mountain of opposition is by the Spirit of the Lord. Not by men's efforts, not by men's ingenuity, but by the Spirit of God. Here's how it's going to happen. And they're going to come saying, grace, grace. It's going to be the work of God's grace that gets it done at the end of the day.
And then the promise goes on. Now you say, Pastor, help me. Why is this important to me? Because I'm telling you, everything God's called us to do, there's some big things in front of us, but they're not too big for the Spirit of God. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And if there's a group of people who've learned to hang out in the presence of God and wait from, from that presence to receive the power, you know, interesting to me here because he sees not only this candlestick, which again goes right back to where we started, Revelations chapter 4, a candlestick, the sevenfold Spirit of God. And here he is seeing this candlestick, Zechariah is seeing the same kind, kind of a vision, and in it, or to it I should say rather, are these olive trees supplying oil. It's this ceaseless supply. Ceaseless supply of oil. Oil in the scripture is most often a picture of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so the picture Zechariah gets here is that there is this never-ending source. That's why these trees are there, just feeding the lamps, a picture of God's you know, fountain of life, just kind of feeding the lamp. You say, I don't know how I'm going to get that done tomorrow. Don't worry about it because you've got oil coming today. And if you're abiding in the Lord, then you're going to have what you need tomorrow. The key is abiding. The key is being attached. That's the key. You know, oil is an interesting thing. Anywhere you have movement, you have friction. Anywhere you have movement, you'll have friction. Anytime pieces are bumping up against each other, you're going to have friction there, right? The only way you can mitigate that and, and to preserve things is through oil. There's got to be some kind of way of relieving. I tell you, so much of the friction we encounter in life that heats things up and makes things break down. That's what happens. Heat up and break down. Heat up and break down. Relationships, all kinds of stuff, is there's a lack of oil, or a lack of the Holy Spirit, a lack of the anointing that we're choosing to operate in. So God's given this image again. It's not an isolated picture that John sees, Zechariah sees it. It's actually typified in the Old Testament when they built the tabernacle. They get the picture of the lantern as well. I love the way I've got to finish it because it's just powerful. Um, the way that portion of scripture kind of flows out in Zechariah 4.10. Who has despised the day of small beginnings? You're going to rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand. This thing's going to end with a glorious shout to the glory of God. Grace, grace. Don't despise small things. You know what's powerful about small things? And days of smallness? Days of smallness settle the issue that it's not by your might and it's not by your power. Days of smallness. Days of, uh, of barrenness. You know, go talk to Hannah. Discouraged, beat up, and yet in her barrenness, God was preparing a prophet who would shake the world. When you look at your own life, maybe you think, God, I feel barren. Maybe I feel small. Maybe I feel, guess what? You are such a candidate for the greatness of God because it won't be by your might and it won't be by your power to be by the Spirit of God. And that issue gets settled in seasons of smallness and barrenness and whatever. Who is this coming out of the wilderness? 
leaning on the arm of her beloved. You know, the wilderness teaches you how to lean. The wilderness teaches you how to lean. I don't like the wilderness. Well, neither do I, but if I have to go there to learn to lean and I come out, but that's the good news. Who is this coming out? <laughs> but I'm coming out because I'm leaning. I think sometimes we get stuck because we don't lean. And God's saying, come on, lean on me. Lean on me. Come on, Tony, you could help me with that. <laughs> now I got everybody all distracted and you're off somewhere else. Come on back to this generation. All right. <laughs> Psalms 92 and 10. The psalmist says, But you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. Fresh oil. I love this theme of fresh oil. God, I don't want to operate off yesterday's stuff. I want to be a tree, uh, or a lampstand rather, that's being fed by the tree of life that has oil running into me in the now. <laughs> I need now oil. You know, I don't want to just regurgitate somebody else's sermon. I don't want to just regurgitate somebody else's stuff, although those are wonderful things to quote and recite. And I'm not saying there's no value in that. I'm just saying we need to be a people that are attached to God's heart and that through that attachment, there's life flowing in us and through us in the moments that we need it. Fresh oil. Fresh oil makes your face shine. Makes your, makes your countenance glad. It's God's presence, really, I think, is what it's a picture of. To me, fresh oil, again, it, it speaks of that which is flowing in the now from the presence of the Lord. So to the issue of abiding, I know it's not a, um, you know, one that people haven't talked about before, but just hear it in the context of this message today. Because I believe this. There's a practical element. I pray today that we walk out of here with um, a deeper conviction that, you know, we're going to have to contend in, in some ways for making sure that, that our lives and the culture we have here are around the throne of God. Because there's a lot of other things that want to be on the throne. There's a lot of other things that want us to come sit around them. But as a people, I'm asking God will give us resolve. And that we'll, we'll see it through that filter that God, if, if, it's not, if it doesn't have you at the center of it, then I'm not interested. My life's too short to give it to lesser things. And my help and my hope are going to come. My, the, the, my change is going to come when I see you as you are. And I'm going to give myself more and more to your presence. And the provision, the sevenfold spirit of God. I, 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 I'd love to have every lamp burning in my life. You know, the truth is I pray pretty much daily. As I, I, I've shared this before, but I pray through the Lord's Prayer. And I do it in a little non-traditional sense, in the sense that I stop every one of those points Jesus made. I see them as meditation points, really, places to hang out. And um, so I'll hang out around those themes that Jesus identified as important. And in one of those areas, give us this day our daily bread. I stop 
during that time at some point and I, and I asked God to anoint me today, daily bread, today, with fresh oil. And then I quote Isaiah 11. Lord, I, I thank you today for anointing me with the spirit of your lordship. I thank you today for anointing me with the spirit of wisdom and understanding. I thank you today for anointing me with the spirit of counsel and might, which to me is courage. Courage, Lord, to do the stuff I need to do. Lord, I, I, and I just, I just stop and I acknowledge my need and then I make my invitation to the Holy Spirit today in my life. And I tell you, if I was to go back and trace the decisions I used to make prior to praying that kind of prayer, and then if I took the timeline and said, okay, when I started praying this prayer, and look, I tell you, life's gotten better. <laughs> it just has. I, I, I've, I've, I've still made mistakes. I'm, I'm not professing that I'm a fully lit candle or stick or something, you know. But I have to say that I, I, I'm being intentional, and that's my prayer for us, that we'll be intentional and say, God, I want everything that you are. You know, I don't need the degrees and the platitudes and all the stuff men can give me. I need what only you can give me, and I'm coming to get it from you, from the source. I thank God for people, God using people to impart to me. I receive all of that on a regular basis, but I'm not hopefully confused about where it's coming from. The source is in him. So to abide, to have this constant flow of the Spirit of God. John 15 and 4, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. It's interesting because in the book of Exodus, when the candlestick is described, there's a center uh, branch or a center column shaft, and out of it, six branches. It was a total of seven, like this picture we see in John and with Zechariah, in the book of Revelation, rather. But the center one, and I love the King James's approach to this, although I read from a lot of translations, because the King James personifies the candlestick, and it says, his branches. His. And it calls the candlestick a he, you know? And I believe it's, there's a reason for it, because it's him, Christ, who's the center. He's the center shaft. And all the branches come off the center shaft like this. So in, here he says, abide in me as a branch cannot bear fruit if it's on its own. You've got to abide in the center. It goes back to the theme of God seated at the center of all that's going on there in that heavenly place. So Jesus says, abide in me, I in you. John 12 and 46. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. Now notice this, there's two abides here. There was an abide in me, and then Jesus says, I've come a light so that you would stop abiding in darkness. You know how many times we've abided? Abid? Abode? No, I don't work either. How we've, how we've you know, what, when you think of the word to abide, what, I don't know what comes to your mind. I'll give you a definition in just a second. But, you know, to, 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 to abide there is to take up residence there. It's to, it's to camp there. It's to, to decide that that's a good place to be, you know, to abide in that spot. And, and if it, Jesus says, I came a light into the world so you would stop abiding in darkness. Because wherever you abide is going to directly affect what you're, what's coming in. 
what you're drinking, what you're getting, and what you're able to give. It all's related to where you're abiding. That's why he says, abide in me. Don't abide in darkness. You do have a choice where we will abide. And it really, again, it's where you're going to hang your hat. It's where you're going to rest. It's where, you know, the saying goes, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. You've decided I'm going to hang with Jesus. I'm going to be in Jesus. <clears throat> John 15 and verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. You know, a lot of people get burned today. I got burned in this situation. Well, I wonder if you were abiding in him. John 15 and 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, there's a little qualifier. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. It's a qualifier here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you've made room for my word in your life. Then you'll have authority when you ask, and it will be done for you. The principle of abiding is a big deal. Now, again, I just want to make sure you haven't, I haven't lost you here. We started off by talking about the throne of God and God calling us up to his throne. Practically speaking, that means we're going to be a people who are not content to live down here on the earth, getting all of our information and influence from earthly things. God, we're a heavenly people called up and we're coming up and we're going to join you in your presence. And then we saw the picture and we know that there's certain things there and this lampstand, which represents the Holy Spirit and his fullness is there offering light but also influencing us and so the prayer this morning again thank you for your patience in my redundance but the prayer is this god let the influence not by might human might not by human power but by your spirit lord let everything i put my hand to let my life theme be by your spirit well how am i going to get that Abide in me. Let that olive tree feed your life. Don't, don't be drawing your, your resources and your strategies from your own carnal things or even good carnal, you know, earthly strategies. Let heaven be the source of your wisdom, the source of your decisions to abide. Just quick here, to stay. A state of of relationship or expectancy. I like that. A state of relationship or expectancy. I'm here, God, staying here, God, expecting something from you. I'm putting my hope of my future in you. If this problem's going to get fixed, it's going to be because I'm waiting on you and you're the one bringing the answer. It's that attitude that I approach life with. I'm abiding. God, you're my only hope in this situation. You're my only thing. To abide, to stay. A state of relationship and expectancy. To continue. I like this word too, to continue. Now here's a great, not time for it today, a great message though. Continuing in my word. Then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I find often we haven't learned how to continue 
God, I came and I and I and I I I, I plugged my phone in thinking I would get charged up and it just didn't do it in time, so I unplugged it and now I'm pretty discouraged and I'm out of a signal. Nothing's working. You know? It it it, it amazes me the discipline with which we plug our cell phones in. Can we talk about that just for a minute? It amazes me. We even have battery packs that we tote around with us in the event we're running low. Do I need to preach some more? And yet daily, the preacher has to stand up and exhort to plug in Well, who you want to talk to anyway? You know, there's an unlimited data plan. I'm serious. It's available. There's no, like, areas where you can't get coverage. It's the best coverage plan the world has seen. You think I'm kidding. This is the real deal. But if you don't plug in on a regular daily basis don't fuss when you're not getting a signal don't call the pastor and say can you hear for me I'm about to do a lap <laughs> my wife says I should do a lap so I'm going to do a lap <laughs> all right Got to do a lap. Praise God. <laughs> all right. Now, if you're a visitor and you're saying, what is that all about? Let me just tell you, if I don't do a lap, the energy gets so intense, I just collapse. No. I don't, I don't know what that's about. It, it actually, it's just happened before. I get this, like, got to make my point thing, I guess, and I do a lap. <laughs> People have actually joined me in doing laps before, so... If you think that was weird, wait, just, you know. <laughs> Isn't it true, though? I pray from this day forward, every time you plug your cell phone in, every time you plug in your device, you'll remember these words. That's simple. Abide. Let me get my strength from you, Lord. You know, I hadn't even thought about the idea that these, these battery extension packs, but I don't know. You know, it's just we're not willing to be without power. We're not willing to be without a signal. We're not willing to be unconnected from our friends and the emails and the world and Facebook and WhatsApp and whatever else you got going on. We're not willing. God forbid I ever be caught without the ability to talk. God forbid we ever be found in a place where we can't hear from heaven. When God wants to call us, you know, he gets our voicemail or we want to call him in the same He's helping us, though. That's the good news. That's the good news. Continue. We're talking about the definition of to abide, to continue, to be present. I mentioned this last week, but you know, 
You can be here and not be present. You can be in prayer and not be present. It's like a husband determining he's going to spend time with his wife, but not be present. Wives should be shouting, Amen! Amen! Hey, listen, I'll confess. I've had my wife say, Hey, come here. Well, I'm here. No, you're not. That's, that's a fact. That's happened to me. And I've had to acknowledge, you know what? She's right on. I'm out somewhere else thinking about some other thing, trying to fix something, whatever, and my wife's asking for my attention. You know, it's a courtesy. It's a, if you want to be happy in your relationships, I encourage us to discipline ourselves and be present. I, actually, my wife, I, she's like no other when it comes to being present. She'll get to talking to somebody, and I'll be going, she can't see me for anything. She's like so focused in, man. She is on them. She, you've got her whole attention. When she's there talking to you, you've got to, I, I just, it's amazing. But that God would have us to be the same with him. <clears throat> so if you're taking notes, I'll just give them to you. Um, Exodus 25 is the account of the candlestick Exodus 25:31 in the Old Testament when they built this first the first physical picture of this God gave Moses the pattern candlestick seven branch candelabra that was the light in the sanctuary uh, the menorah and it's it's there as um, a picture of the Holy Spirit and in verse 37 of that portion of scripture they were commanded to light the lamps thereof that they may give light over against the sanctuary where they were. To light the lamp. So the priests were commanded to light the lamp. <clears throat> so let me just try to land here today. We have this amazing provision given to us by the Lord through which comes wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord and amazing life benefits. And it comes in the presence of God. That's what John learned when he went up to the throne. He saw this provision. He, uh, this, this provision is the only way, not by human might, not by human power, but by my spirit. It's the only way we're going to accomplish our mission and mandate from the Lord. And personally, the only way I believe we're going to navigate the dark hour in which we're living. I'm convinced of that. And for me, this can't just be nice stuff we talk about. And I, and I realize, and I, my prayer, you know, today is all this symbolism and stuff. I hope you're getting the essence of the message. Abide in him. Keep him at the center Let's believe God on a regular basis to be anointed with fresh oil. I don't want to just regurgitate old stuff. I want a now living, moving ministry coming by the Spirit. Where do you get it? In the presence of God. Abiding in Him and abiding in His Word. Those are the two things that Jesus points out. Abide in Him and abide in His Word. And that we together collectively can minimize the stuff that distracts us from that place. And we can magnify the stuff. You know, you have the ability to minimize 
and maximize. You do it all the time on your computer. Shut that down, open that up. Well, let's start moving our spiritual mouse around here. Sorry for all the technical analogies today, but here we are. You know, let's start moving our mouse around and say, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of looking at that. Click, yink. I want to look at this. Click, boom. The throne. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I know my problems are big. You know what? But I'm going to minimize that stuff. And I'm going to do what the psalmist says. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on. Let's, let, let's, let us rejoice and be glad in him. Let's build around his presence and build around his throne. And let his word just imprint us and, and mark us. And let's believe that the candle will be fully lit. We need a lot of wisdom, a lot of understanding, a lot of, count, a lot of courage, a lot of things that we need right now coming out of the presence of God. Would you stand up with me today? <clears throat> Father, thank you. Thank you that it is not by might and it's not by human effort, but it's by your spirit. I'm going to just ask you this morning, if you just close your eyes for a moment. I never like to miss the possibility here today. Maybe you're in this place this morning and in your heart, you're saying, Pastor, I feel really disconnected. My life is dried up. It's withered up. It's, it's not happening. And, and, and the reality is, I don't even know in my heart of hearts that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I don't know that I'm, that I'm in the right position spiritually. Would you pray for me, Pastor? If you're here and that's you, would you just put your hand up and let me see you? I would love to pray for you this morning. If there's anybody that in their heart you're just not sure, thank you. Is there anybody else that feels that way today? You're just not sure. But in your heart, you want to be sure. Perhaps you're here this morning and, and you know that you've asked the Lord into your heart and that's kind of settled, but you just feel really dried up and like you haven't been abiding. And, and, and you, today you just want to get that straight you want to say lord i'm i just i see it for what it is i've been blaming other things situations and people but the reality is i've not been plugged in it's on me lord and i just want to i want to acknowledge that and i want to fix that in your presence today is there anybody in that place let me see your hand a couple of you out there yeah praise god all right amen all right what i'd like to do is um i'd like to pray for you i'm going to ask you just to kind of slip up front here you say, why do we have to do that? Well, you know what? You don't have to, but I asked you to. That'd be a nice thing to do because I asked you. Um, I do believe there's, there's power in our public acknowledgement of where we're coming. Just step up. Don't be ashamed. Just come up here. We're going to pray together. You know, I, I believe in the power of prayer. Just come on up. Thank you. God gives grace to us. We're going to just pray together. Come on, just step up here and let's pray. If you raised your hand. This isn't about people looking at you. It's about God looking at you. And it's about you looking at God. Anybody else here today that just wants to say, you know, Lord, uh, either I, I, I need help getting where I need to be or I, I'm not saved or I just haven't been abiding. I haven't been plugged in and I'm, and I'm, I'm needing prayer. Amen. Praise God. All right. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. I, you know, I, I realize many of you up here, come on over this way, if you will. I realize many of you up here today um, 
already are born again, but a couple perhaps are not based on your hands here this morning. And I just want us all to pray this prayer together. You can't ever pray it too much in my book. I think there's just a, an openness here. And even you here in the congregation, let's just reaffirm our faith and our trust in Jesus. And if you're praying this for the first time from your heart, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is listening today. Just pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come in Jesus' name. I believe that you love me and that you came to earth to save me. I believe you died on the cross in my place. I believe that you paid for all my sins and that I'm forgiven. And I believe that you were raised from the dead as a sign that I'm forgiven. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I release my life to you and I love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, for the rest of you here this morning, Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for the boldness of these who've stepped up front here today. God, we're acknowledging by just being here today that we need you. And in some way or form, we've let other things get in the way. But today, Lord, our public testimony is we just want to abide in you. We want to draw from your source of, of anointing and grace, the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you right now for a fresh infilling and a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit over every one of these lives here this morning, every hungry heart. Lord, you know the dryness and the feeling of being withering up in areas of our lives. But now, Lord, I thank you upon the cry of these hearts, and your willing heart to give. I just thank you for fresh oil, lubricating, Lord, even those places that have been full of friction and, and, and breakdown, Lord, that you'd bring freshness, suppleness, that the lamp would begin to burn again. There'd be fresh fire, Lord God, in these lives here today. Fresh fire, fire of your spirit. God, I thank you for wisdom and counsel and might and understanding the fear of the Lord, spirit of knowledge and understanding, Lord, the spirit of your Lordship, there would be no want and no lack. Lord, I thank you for it. And we receive it together by faith today. You said if we would confess you before men, you would confess us before the Father. And so today, Lord, upon this public confession, I thank you for heaven's favor and grace over each life standing here now over this congregation in Jesus beautiful and powerful name amen and amen come on give the Lord a shout today hallelujah